Welcome back, episode two of the BTS Creative Academy podcast. Uh, I'm your host again, Martin Colton, and today we'll be joined by Luna Austin. Luna is an all-round entertainer, actor, dancer, she's a theatre director and producer. So she's going to be sharing some of her theatrical uh, stories with us, her creative journey, uh, through dance, through princess parties and uh, the current play which she's directing and producing at the moment. Very much looking forward to seeing what Luna has to share with us and thank you for joining. So shall we begin? Yeah. 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 I'm so excited for this. Good, good. This is a bit different, isn't it? Different Mm. way to to start your day. Yeah. Sit down, be interrogated. I Uh, mean, kind of, yeah. But, (laughs) I mean, kind of. But also, like, I feel like it's not too different in the sense that you and I tend to have, like, we find ourselves having a lot of, we have a little, we have like, chats chats anyway, like, when we do projects together. So this isn't, not too different. No. But it's just... In a really nice, we've got lovely armchairs. We've got nice armchairs. And sitting, th- sitting in a in a theatre. Yeah. You know. And I think as well, like we're actually planning to have a chat, whereas usually we yes. don't. Usually it's just that we bump into each other randomly, and or it's we're supposed to be working, or we're supposed to be rehearsing, and we just start chatting, and then we suddenly go. Oh, we, we better we, do the rest we, of it It's been now. an hour. We should probably <laughs> do something else. We should probably do our jobs. Hundred <laughs> percent. So, uh, so what's happening with you right now? Yeah. So. Um, We've just finished tech for the show that I'm producing and directing. Okay. And it's the fir- like I said earlier, it's the first one that I'm directing. So, and it's called Enough, and it's happening here. So the set's just be- behind us. Like, on the us, other side of the camera. Yeah, yeah on the other side, way. which I'm kind of happy about because it's 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 technically finished, but it mm-hmm. doesn't look like a glamorous set. So if someone saw it in this state, they'd what would they'd they be like, oh, what, what the hell is that? Yeah. <laughs> um, do you swear on your podcast? We can we can swear. We can we'll, we'll edit it out. I have, we cool. haven't decided what what age limit. That's absolutely this fine. Is for adults. Okay, but yeah, so, I'll I'll yeah. I'll try and keep it at a minimum. Keep it keep it as clean. But Less editing today. I'll, I'll try my best. The the play that we're working on has a lot of swearing in, okay. so I feel like I've just been around it <laughs> all the time. All the time, um, but that's okay. But yeah, so the set looks like a mess, but it's supposed to look like that. Right. So the okay. set that we're currently sat on is a band studio so we've got half of a drum kit we've got a really shabby little rolling shelf that's got top of the pops vinyls on it and things kind of scattered we've got wires scattered and some old-fashioned lights and so anyone walking in it would look like a half done set but it but it's but it's, it's trying to represent yeah, that it's that trying to represent place. yeah it's trying to represent so um the people who work here are in their early 20s um, it's set in the 1970s and they've just kind of, it's like in a garage almost. Um, it's like in a, in a parent's garage course, or, or spare yeah. room that they've just kind of thrown bits and pieces together and they've like spray painted one of the walls. And so right. it looks like a very shabby set, but it's supposed to. But yeah. I'm kind of glad that we've got this lovely Because background. out of context. <laughs> out of context, it looks crap, yeah. <laughs> but it's supposed to. But once, you, once, you're, once you're watching the play yeah. and you're seeing the story. And once it's lit and you kind of realise that it's supposed to look like that and you see the characters that live there, like we've got uh, one of my favourite characters in the show is a guy called Stoney. His name's Tony Moore, mm-hmm. but he's a stoner. Right, okay. Um, so his friends nickname him Stoney and he's the drummer of the band and he's played by 
a really good friend of mine, um, Will Jansen. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know what the... He's, he's played a stoner a few times, hasn't he? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't know what, I don't know what the... So he, funny enough, literally just sent me a post on Instagram just now saying, why do you keep hiring me for roles where I, I play? So the first play that I ever did with Sparrow Luna Productions was um, Our Stars in Bronze, which was about pirates. Okay. And he played the drunk. So this is your third, third, produ- third that production produced, yeah. that you've produced yourself. Wow. Yeah. Um, and it's all happened in the space of a year. Mm-hmm. Like I think last week was our the year anniversary of our first rehearsal for our That's Stars amazing. in Bronze. So it's all happened three, in... Three shows produced, professionally produced, directed... Semi-professionally, yeah. Well, it's professional. You're, yeah. you're making an income from it, aren't you? Yeah. And you're continuing to put shows on. Yeah. And yeah, it's a professional yeah. It feels just... I think it just feels strange to say that because it didn't... It, didn't start out that way it did it didn't start off with the mindset of this is a business. yeah 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 so um yeah i'll, I'll hold that Let's thought get, get just back to, to yeah to, yeah. to i'll, okay, I'll finish on. the um because otherwise I, I won't remember what i was saying <laughs> that's okay, that's okay. <laughs> but um yeah will jansen has played three characters in all three of our productions right okay. so in the first show he played a drunk mm-hmm. in the second show which was written by drake weyer um, and we just put it on for him mm-hmm. he played um a cocaine addict and then in this one, he's playing a stoner. So there seems to be a pattern there. No he's not. He's a lovely guy. He's very sober in real life. Like, he barely drinks. Like, he's very... Cool. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> However, I, I, maybe that's why. Maybe that's why, because he's so good at just letting loose and allowing himself to play those characters because mm-hmm. they're so different to who he is. Yeah. That he's yeah. so good at it. But yeah, going back to um, the point that we were just going to get into, which was we've, we've done three shows now in the space of a year. Which is mad because it never we never intended for that really. Initially, was it just about that doing that first show? Yeah, well, it was. I mean, it was lockdown, and I mean, anyone in the creative industry knows what a hellhole that was. Mm. It was just. I mean, I don't know about you. I think we've spoken about this before that it just felt like. And it sounds really like obviously we're so dramatic because we're <laughs> we actors and we we're, cre- <laughs> we're, we're, we're you know that's why we're in this industry. Yeah. But it was, it, it, I just remember this feeling of, it's the end. It's the end of live performing arts. Mm. Oh, it, it, you were kind of being told that, weren't you, at the time? Yeah. You'd, t- you'd turn on the news and you'd be, you'd be seeing, like, everything's closing down and how the hell is it going to re- reopen under these kind of conditions that, that were being put on us? Yeah. And it just, I, I don't know. I mean, our industry is so fickle anyway. Well, that's the thing. It's not a normal... The, the money flow doesn't flow like, like say, for instance, retail. Yeah. It, there's no constant churning of the money. No. It happens in short bursts. And when you put a pause on those bursts, you're like, well, how the hell does this keep moving? Yeah. How the hell will this start up again without that? Because I feel like, I mean, I don't know about you, I feel like theatre is is kind of, a, I mean, anything in the creative industry, it's kind of a miracle when it happens anyway. Because so often any kind, I mean, any project that I've been involved in has either happened like organically. It's kind of been like, a, oh, well, we're doing this now. Like it yeah. started out as a conversation and now it's happening. Yeah. Or it's been on the put, put on the back burner and it's had so much thought and planning put into it. And then suddenly it's it's abandoned. Yeah. So I feel like theatre or anything really in the arts is just, it's a miracle when it happens. When it happens. I also feel like there's a, there's a third thing there that sometimes it's so difficult. And you're met with so many challenges that once it goes on and it's finished, you're like, 
how the hell did I ever get? How did I get through all that? You're like, wow, it is such an amazing feat. And so when that extra thing of that period of time of COVID yeah. for the theatre industry, for the creative industry, came along, it was like, wow, this is yeah, this may be game over now. And that was terrifying. Yeah, it was terrifying. And so, also, like, sorry, gone. No, so, so what did you do during that time then? What did you? How did you, how did it come from you feeling like this is it's over? Yeah. Oh my god, it's the end of the world. No more, no more theatre. To oh, I'm doing. I'm going to start doing my own plays now, and I'm going to produce my own plays, direct them. I'm going to write them. I'm going to put them on and get people together, build a community. How did, how did that go from the end to the beginning? How did that happen? It started out as quite a drunken conversation. So I'm I'm sober. I, I haven't had a drink since I was twenty. And I'm 25 now, so that's a good five years. Mm -hmm. And that's just because I didn't get on with alcohol. But um, my friend Sparrow, who I started up Sparrow Luna Productions with, um, he sent me a text during COVID when we were in in the pandemic and we were all locked up in our houses. Um, Because we'd had a really brief conversation, I think like two years prior, when we'd first met back in 2018, 2017. Um, where we'd said, oh, like, I'd, I'd love to one day write a play about, I think it was, um, like, a, a Once Upon a Time-esque, like, dark fantasy Brothers Grimm sort of spin. And we'd very, very briefly talked about it. It was it was very passing comment. We'd had, like, a couple of conversations, and then that was kind of the end of it. And then during COVID, he sent me a text saying, I've been thinking more and more about that idea um should we have a chat and we had a zoom call because he said i miss you just as a mate let's just have a catch up because we haven't seen each other in god knows how long and everyone was on zoom at the time weren't they it was all the zoom quizzes and god it's such a different time isn't it (laughs) um so yeah we had a we had a chat over zoom and um it got later and later in the night and he got more and more steadily drunk and i got more and more kind of into the conversation of everything sucks and life is this industry is awful anyway and I've always been told that it's rare to make any money in this industry and now like the entire world is suddenly telling me that you're not going to do it yeah it's never going to happen um and we were just having a rant about it and I said oh it just there's so many roles that I wanted to play there's so many like because I'm so fascinated by people (laughs) that uh, my mum's a therapist so I think that's where I get it from I'm so fascinated by people and I was just like, there's so many roles that I wanted to play, so many like people that I wanted to delve into, and I never got the chance. And I was really angry about it. I was really angry because as a personal thing, that's what I enjoy doing. And he said, oh, who, who would you play if you could? Like, what kind of character would you play? And I said, oh, I love, like, the Treasure Island stories. So, like, the Jim Hawkins character, I'd love to put, like, a female spin on that. Like, the rugged, downtrodden, but then builds their way up the ladder and they're quite naive at the start, but they come out on top at the end. Like I'd love like to play a proper that. hero's yeah. journey, but for a woman. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and not having to be feminine on stage, like playing a character that could be quite rugged and where, you know, wants to be quite androgynous and doesn't really care about their femininity. I've always wanted to play a role like that and I've never had the chance. And he said, Oh, I've really always wanted to play like a pirate because he's obsessed with pirates. Um, he's covered in like pirate tattoos. Yes, yeah. um, he said, "I've always wanted." And I, to I guess the name Sparrow comes. Yeah, from that's where that's where that comes yeah. from. Yeah, <laughs> bit of an idol. Yeah, I guess. Um, so. He's always wanted to play that kind of character. Um, and he and we kind of said, "Oh, like 
really love to play those characters. And then we just kind of sat with that in silence for a little while. And I said, um, I can't remember which one of us said it, but then the conversation led to, screw it. Like, we'll just, if, if people won't um, hire us as those characters, we'll, we'll, we'll do it ourselves. We'll cast ourselves in something. Right. How do we do that? Mm-hmm. Well, we'll write something ourselves. Yeah, we'll write something ourselves and then we'll do that. And then the conversation just kind of fizzled out and that was the end of that. The next day he texts me saying, well, should we actually do that? And I kind of sat with it and I was like, yeah. I was like, I've got absolutely <laughs> stuff all on. <laughs> I've got absolutely nothing to do. Um, because I was, I was teaching drama classes on Zoom mm-hmm. once a week. And that was my income for COVID, <laughs> which was pretty crap. I was doing kids parties on Zoom right? Okay. Um, as well. And so I said, right, I've got nothing on. And neither had he. So we got back onto Zoom a couple of days later and we sat with a notepad and pen in each of our little separate houses and we just talked for like five hours about what this what this premise, what this storyline could be that could incorporate those two characters. And it was very much like Treasure Island. It very much took influences from Treasure Island and um, Pirates of the Caribbean and like old-fashioned like storytelling and very like simplistic set but we started to build all these characters surrounding them and we fell in love with them like it became like our, our baby did you um, know who was going to play these parts as you were writing think we did, did you kind of have an idea i think we did it wasn't conscious at first mm. um but we we kind of move in the same circles and we know a lot of the same people and um so when we'd kind of fleshed it all out we started to say okay who who would our dream cast be not celebrities, but who known people that we know. From your friends. Yeah, yeah. people that we can take influence yeah. from. Who would our dream cast be? And um, we settled on the list of names that we had. Um, and we thankfully know a lot of really cool people <laughs> who are very good actors who are in kind of our, our network. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we just on a whim, we spoke to them about it. So we've written a play and like some of the characters really remind you know, us of, of you, and we've kind of written them. And they said, oh, uh, would, would, it was actually Will, who I'd spoke about earlier, who read it first. He was one of the first people to read it. He said, oh, can I read it? We said, yeah, like, I don't think it's going to go anywhere, but yeah, you can certainly read it. And he read it and got back to us within like two days and said, when are, we, when are you going to do this? I really want to do it. How's, it, how's this going to start? Yeah. yeah. Like, what's the next step? And both of us went, oh, someone actually wants to do it. Okay, cool. So we'll ask all of the other people who are in our Dreamcast. So that's like Rihanna Austin, Danny Middleton, um, George Collins. Um, and we kind of went through the list of all these people. And suddenly they all started saying yes. And and I was like, okay, well, now we've actually, you know, got to, got to sort ourselves out and actually do this because people want to do it. I, that, I didn't... Isn't it amazing how when you put something out into the world, it, like it's at the beginning it seemed like something that's impossible, like you said, and there was this, there was this moment of the two of you talking about it and there's little bits happening and nothing much but then you put it out there and all of a sudden everyone's attracted yeah and everyone's coming forward and everyone wants to be a part of of this thing that you're building it was just the most amazing feeling and we had a zoom like cast read to see how it would sound and we had everyone in all their little boxes um and at the end of it i was just i felt like i was high as a kite yeah and i called sparrow immediately after we'd kind of called off everyone and we both would just gushing about how amazing it was that the words that we'd written suddenly people were saying them in a character's voice tell me more about that feel like that feeling how that felt it's really surreal 
really surreal. I felt like, and I feel like this is really prevalent for so many people in our industry, that imposter syndrome then started to creep in there. It was this feeling of elation of, oh my God, this is amazing. Like someone, someone is reading our work and enjoying it and not just saying they're enjoying it. They, they're putting in the effort and wanting to do it. And it was this amazing feeling of that creative buzz that you get like that adrenaline high of we are collectively, it's not just us anymore. Mm -hmm. It's now a team of people. It's a team of people who I respect so much individually have all come together and said, let's make this even bigger. And that was the most amazing feeling. But there was also that imposter syndrome of, are they just saying that? Like, to be polite. And also, part of me saying, oh, I didn't really write this. I know that's really odd. Yeah. Um, But there was definitely part of me that was kind of going, there's no way that I could have written this and them do it like that. It's definitely that they've written, they sorry, they've read a very simple skeleton that I've written and they're the ones that have then brought it to life and made it into a story and okay. made it interesting. Without them, it wouldn't have been an interesting story. That was my thought process. So you were, you were starting to look ahead negatively. Yeah. Everything was going really quite well. Yeah. But then at some point, this negativity started to creep in. Yeah. So how did, you, how did you overcome that and keep going forward? Seeing it as, um, I think, just not putting as much pressure on it really helped for me. I can't speak the same for Sparrow because obviously we're kind of on par as writers. And I have every faith in him as a writer. It was, it was my parts that I'd written mm-hmm. um, that I was doubting. I chose to see it as we've done nothing for the past 12 months. This is something and it's fun. Let's keep it fun and keep it creative Let's not worry about whether or not it's going to turn a profit. Let's not worry about how many people are going to see it and whether or not they're going to enjoy it. I think I said. So it, to, was it that you? So it sounds to yeah, me yeah. like you started to remove the the potential rewards. Yeah. So you started to say, all right, that's, and you started to say, right, it doesn't matter. Yeah. If there's an audience, it doesn't matter if they clap. Yeah. It doesn't matter if the if yeah if no one pays any money to come and see this. It's just doing it. Yeah. Is that is that what's that what got you past yeah, the worry? Definitely. And then I, I was able to see it as um I'm an actor and I miss acting and mm. I miss being creative. This is a chance for me to do that. And I chose to see it just as that. You know, like I chose to see it just as this is for you to get back on stage. Yeah. Anything else is a bonus. Nice. And I think I said, um I've said to quite a few people, and I I say it now as a piece of advice. I've started saying it as a piece of advice, which is, you know, it sounds really poncy, but like theatre is art in in the sense that it's subjective. You know, some people go and see a show and absolutely love it. And some people see exactly the same show on exactly the same night and hate it. And the piece of advice that I've started giving because it helped me is, okay, if one person feels anything from the show that I'm putting on, then it's done its job. Even if it's not, that they loved it, if they felt anything, if they felt anger at a certain scene towards a certain character, or if they felt upset um, about a certain character situation, if they related to another character, or if, I mean, hell, even if the lighting made them feel a certain way in a certain scene, to me it's like, if one person has felt something, then it's done its job, in my opinion. 
because that's to me what theatre is is that you gather I mean, it's weird as hell isn't it you gather all these people into when you think when you actually strip it down you gather all these people strangers who don't know each other you pack them in a room and then you say okay um i know that life sucks a bit outside but we're going to turn off the lights and you're all going to just stare in that direction and watch other strangers behaving absurdly like if they were walking out in the street behaving how they you do in theatre sometimes you you'd probably lock them up or you or you'd call someone you're going to watch people behave absurdly and you're going to pay money to do that. <laughs> you're going to pay money in most circumstances. You're going to pay money. And then at the end, you're going to congratulate them for behaving absurdly. It's, it's it, bizarre. It's weird. It's, it's bizarre, but beautiful. Yeah. Isn't it? It really like, is. It really is humans being at their, for me, is it's seeing humans sometimes being at their best. Yeah. Doing that crazy, crazy thing. Okay, yeah, there are many other better things humans can do than get on the Saving stage and, 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 and playing. But yeah, so there is something about that. Yeah, that play, and that was a really beautiful way to put it as well. Really, really nice description of theatre. That is. It's just. It's. I. I think I've just. I had a lot of time to think about it over COVID, and mm. I was just thinking, why do. Why do we do this? Because it. It sucked. Yeah. And sometimes it sucks. Mm-hmm. And why did it hurt so much when we were missing it? It felt like. Like I, I'm not a doctor. Like we said a second ago. Like yeah. I don't, I don't save lives. No, that's not no, something not that I can, ahead of ourselves. I can do. You know, we're not. You know, we're not changing lives in that sense. That you know, we're not. Um, we're not running into burning buildings and and saving people in in that respect. But and I think this goes for a lot of people in the creative industry. Like I've suffered with my mental health, and something that has always helped me is theatre, mm-hmm. because it's that. It's, it's that escapism. It's it's why we have art and, and film and music, I think, is for that fundamental escapism yeah. where we can just kind of put life on pause for a little while. I think my mum used to say that sometimes when life gets overwhelming, she was like, oh, I just wish I could just stop the world for a second and just get off mm-hmm. because it's spinning too fast. I wish yeah. I could just get off. And for me, theatre's my favourite way of doing yeah, that. Of jumping off. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, and, it, yeah. And, I, and it's really important to say that, you know, doctors nurses any service fire service even like proper jobs like lawyers or whatever whatever you do as a normal job they're all really important oh god yeah but the creative industries theater are acting whatever it is that you're doing that's creative for me is why why we live life yeah like we don't we don't live life for those other things no we live life for the for the art and the expression and the creativity yeah i think what what i kind of heard you saying then is that the people who do those amazing jobs i mean we need mathematicians we need doctors we need mm. scientists we need um you know just all of those amazing jobs we need those things to continue to live but we live for the expression and art and emotion and love and feelings. And we live for those things, but we need those things to live because yeah. they are very, very important. And it's, I do feel that is a really important message right now. Yeah. I do feel like right now we're living in an age where the creative arts are being taken away from education um, quite a bit. And so the younger generation are coming up, not really experiencing and understanding the importance of it yeah. within their life and we're living in an age of there's so many people that are suffering with depression these days and suicide rates are going sky high and it does make me feel like this for me 
this is really important being creative. Sorry this is for what I feel like that was Sorry, go <laughs> audible. Audible. <laughs> what did I say? No, I said I just burped you and burped. I felt like that was audible. And you were saying a really amazing thing I was, and I was, I was really going trying really to keep it. But yeah. Is that even yeah. a word? Philosophical? Now it, it is. It is a word. Philosophical is today's philosophical. word. I might even call this philosophical. Philosophical. Do that. Episode two. Philosophical. philosophical. Absolutely. With a burp. In brackets <laughs> with a burp. Yeah, I was trying really hard to hold that in. Oh man. I but don't yeah. even know what I was saying. I was mumbling on. But, no, 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 no. What you were saying was really important, which is that young people nowadays are being brought up with. It, it's a strange world. It's a really strange world, and it always has been. But mm-hmm. there's that less emphasis being put on the importance of the arts. I mean, do you remember? Like, did you see during um, COVID that campaign where they said um, it had a picture of a ballerina? Yeah, and it said every, like, everyone that was an artist just, saw that. It was like just made their blood boil. As if, yeah, yeah, you just you just don't get it. You just want us to all be processing and consuming, and that's it. Yeah, <laughs> and I think people who aren't in the arts don't realise that it is a viable job. Mm-hmm. It is. It's hard, and you have to be a certain kind of person to do it. But it it is viable. Like I am in no way. Like I, there is no part of me ever that wants to be famous or well known as 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 Luna as as a person I've never wanted that I, I just I, I'm too too anxious <laughs> to, to few, want that you that truly get there actually yeah do. yeah you know it's the, it's the ones that are seeking that yeah that you have to worry about <laughs> yeah yeah but so when people say oh you know you want to be an actor um what's the goal and I'm like to keep working that's my goal to keep creating and doing and learning and meeting new people because that's my favorite part of this industry is that no two days the same I did an admin job when I first left sixth form when I was 18 I did an admin job and I lasted less than four months because it was just the most sold it was just soul destroying for me the idea that I'd come in every day and be sat behind the same desk and do exactly the same thing every day it was the same paperwork with a different name on it and I'd just be filing it and inputting it into the computer and I just, I, I got to the end of the four months and I was like, I can't, I, I can't do this. I cannot do this. It was Why did just, that feel so bad? It felt like I was stuck um, and I, could, I couldn't see it going anywhere. I didn't really enjoy the boss that I was working for. Um, she, you know, she just was, she was very kind of like cutthroat and very like, you've done it wrong, no matter what you did. Um, and also I was 18, like I didn't really know you know I, I was still getting used to the world of work and I I just feel like my skill set doesn't apply very well to that situation your skill set or you to an extent both because I didn't really start acting properly until I was about 14 and then I realized that I was I was quite good at the environment surrounding it so the hard work that goes into it I mean you know it's 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 weird and it's it is hard I think a lot of people don't realise just how much hard work actors do and creatives do put into things because it looks like we're having so much fun. And we are, but also it's long days. So when I was 14, I started to do um, pantomimes and musicals and things um, with professional companies. And, you know, tech day, which is where you get into the theatre and you set up all the lights, would be a 12-hour day. You'd start at 10, you'd finish at 10. If you were lucky, usually it would go on longer but it would be at least a 12-hour day. And that's unheard of in, in kind of any other job, really, in any other, like, admin job. 
you have a nine to five and you do your work, you do your work and then you go home. And I found that I was quite good at keeping a positive attitude and um, putting myself into that work mindset when I got into a theater and I'm good with people. I like being around people and being stuck behind a desk. I didn't see anyone all day. And you're being you within the environment of theater. Yeah. You're doing what you, it's corny. You were born to do that. That's what you were made to do. And so you're, you're living that you're living your truth. And so it, it feels good. Yeah. Doesn't it? When you're living, you're living the thing that you're supposed to do. But when you're in that behind that desk and you're not there, it feels it just felt alien it feels to me. Bad, doesn't it? Yeah, it felt really alien. Um, and again, it's it's that corny thing of I can't I can't for the life remember who said it. I'm pretty sure it was a celebrity or an actor or something in an interview. They were talking about this industry and how weird it is. And I think the the phrase they used is you don't do this job unless you have to. And I don't think they meant it in the sense of because you have to bring in the work because you don't earn enough money. I think it's that the people who keep going in this industry are the people that can't live without it. You don't do it unless you have to because it's bloody hard. <laughs> so you don't, you don't, you would, I mean, auditions and, and all the rest of it, it's all, it's all quite hard for a little bit of payoff mm. at the end of it. So you don't do it unless you have to, unless it's something that you really want to do and you really enjoy doing, you do thrive off of. Um, because often it's all or nothing. And I mean, you'll find this. Well, it, it, like you just said about the auditions. Yeah. You know, you can go to the audition and you can put everything you've got into that audition and nothing. Yeah. You get <laughs> nothing from it. Or you, you even in that same job, you go to an audition and they like you. So mm-hmm. they call you back and you go to a second audition. And if they like you again, they'll call you back and you go to a third audition. And sometimes it's miles away. Sometimes you have to drive two hours to get yeah. to that audition each time. And it's a lot of input. It can be a lot of commitment for no, for nothing. But you, but you know that reward is going to be so great if it yeah. comes through that you're willing to put but that. Yes, also it's a I funny thing we're doing, isn't it? It's, oh, it's, it's, and, it, it, and, I, and that's one of the things I want to get to the bottom of is, is why. Why do we do it? Why do we do this? And I feel like you've given, you've given some really good clues so far. Oh, really? As to why we do it. Because I'm, fi- I'm still trying to figure it out. When you watch this back, you might be surprised. Oh, really? You might start to get some. You might start to get see some insight, some in, insight into yourself and why you that. do this and why we do this. But where did Where did this so... start for you then? Because I know that you've been doing. Didn't you start as a dancer? Yeah. So, and I mean, like when I, when I say that, I say that loosely. I'm in no way like ballet or classically trained. Okay. Those people are athletes. <laughs> they are. Olympic style athletes, in my opinion, I know ballet dancers and Christ, like what they put their bodies through is amazing. Yes. So I'm not putting myself on par with them. Okay. So what type of dancer are you? Nightclub I, dancer? Yeah. <laughs> just what? like Saturday Night Fever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. So I, um, it was when I was uh, like, it started when I was a child. Um, it started when I was about four and I started to kind oh, of well, develop. So you really started quite young. This yeah. really has been your life. Yeah. I started to, okay. I'm just going to. Yeah. Cool. Have a drink. I, um, it was when I started to develop a personality. Okay. Um, my my dad is a golfer. My mum is a horse rider. And both are incredibly passionate about their hobbies still, which is great because a lot of people kind of out of the creative arts, but a lot of people suppress their hobbies as they get older. Mm-hmm. I think it's wonderful that they both kept them so um, rigidly. But naturally, when they had a kid, they were like, she's going to be a horse rider or she's going to be a golfer. So dutifully, my dad bought me a little pink golf set 
Nice. And my mum bought me a little pink uh, and purple horse grooming kit. Um, and they took me to both. And out of the blue, just out of nowhere, I was like, no, I want to dance. And they were like, oh, okay. Neither of us really know what to do about that. <laughs> like, no, neither of us are really into that. Okay, um, we'll have a look around um, and we'll see if there's anywhere nearby that, that does dance classes. And I tried a couple. I tried a ballet class. And uh, my mum got kicked out because she was laughing too much because she said I looked like a frog. I just couldn't do it. I just, I looked ridiculous. She was like, no, this isn't for you. Um, and then she found a street dancing class for kids. And so she took me to that and I took like it to a duck to water. I just loved it. And it was very basic. Like the teacher was great, but it was kind of a crash um, for parents that, that were working long hours and needed a place for their kids to go. And so a lot of people didn't, you know, a lot of kids there didn't really take it very seriously, would muck about. Whereas I was like, I'm going to take this seriously. And I would, I would learn, I would practice so hard in when I wasn't there. I'd only be there for like an hour a week. But in the time that I wasn't there, I was constantly dancing. Just in the playground at school and at home. Yeah. Just religiously going over it until I knew everything back to front and inside out. To the point where if someone else on stage, the kids that weren't paying attention, because we do an annual show... If they didn't know what they're doing, they'd all just copy me. And I took so much pride in that. I was so proud you were of myself. The of the group. Yeah. Mm. Um, not because I wanted to necessarily be a leader, I just wanted to do well at it. Okay. I wanted to show that I loved it and it was worth putting my time into. Who was you showing? Um, as in like Who was you showing that you were doing well to? Was it that to yourself? I think myself. Yeah. Because I I'm I'm you know, I'm thinking about it now. I think I I wanted to please the teacher and, and I wanted my parents to see it, but ultimately when I think back to doing the shows, I wasn't thinking, oh, I need to do well so that my parents can see that I'm doing well. Or I need to do well to show the audience. I don't even remember looking at the audience. I just remember having the best time. I just loved it so much. I loved the feeling that I'd get when I'd dance. It was that escapism of just being able to lose myself for a little while and not care about... Because I was quite an anxious child. I was quite scared of, of, of everything. Okay. And I do wonder whether or not there's parts of me that are neurodivergent. I don't, like, I'm not going to say that I'm any which way, but I was very anxious as a child. I was very scared of everything, like mm. loud noises, crowds, parties. I just couldn't cope. Um, and I'd ha I had my first panic attack when I was, like, six, I think. It was very early on. And dance, I never felt like that. I was just... When you were dancing, you were fine. Yeah, I was absolutely fine. Didn't have to worry about anything. I just had to focus on the moves that I'd been given and the timing of music. And it was such a beautiful therapy for me as a kid. And also, I, 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 quite, I think I enjoyed that neither of my parents were dancers. I enjoyed that it was something that was just for me because it felt like it was just mine. And I shared it with friends, but I liked that it was something that I'd, I'd chosen to do and I took pride in. It was your path. Yeah. So, so do you still dance now? Yeah, I you do. You still dance now? Yeah, and I love it so much. I just did a showcase with um, the dance school that I, I currently belong to and have done for like 10 years now. What school is that? Uh, KBD Dance. Oh, okay. yeah. And it's in um, based in Bishop Stortford. Um, and funny enough, it's, it's, it's one of those things that came about just because of, again, like pathways and people meeting people. So when I was, when I was 14, um, this was when I was still kind of dancing on and off from places. I turned around to my mum and I said, I don't really know what, what I do because I'd, we'd recently moved house. So I'd left that dance school and I was trying to find another one nearby and I never really clicked with them. I said to my mum, I was like, I don't know, I don't know what my hobby is. I don't know what my 
thing that I do is, and funny enough, about a month later, I'd seen an audition in my school, a poster up for a local musical that was happening, um, and they wanted dancers for it. And I was like, okay, I've never done anything like that before. I'll go for it. And I went for the audition, not really expecting much because so many people were there were so um, used to this particular format and I, it was so new to me. that I just said, oh, I'll just go along. And they liked me, so I went to the next phase of the audition that day and then the next phase and then the next phase and then it got to the end of the day and they said, well, actually, we really like you. Would you like to um, audition for a speaking role? And that was like way out of my comfort zone. But I said, yes, something just propelled me to say yes and I read for it without planning anything and they said oh we really like the way that you read it we'd love for you to play this small role in the musical I was just like what it was just so it was so new to me but it felt all I knew is that it felt good it felt really good it felt like an extension of the dancing Mm -hmm. it felt like an extension of that feeling um and through that I then met the choreographer of that show is Katie who runs KBD dance and so I got to know her and work with her and over the past 10 years or so I've just um grown to love her as a creative and so I joined her dance school which felt like a family again we you know I was there kind of from the beginning and now she's built up this amazing dance school um that's got hundreds of students and where do they teach uh, in Stortford Bishop Stortford okay um, and she teaches a whole range of classes aging from like age three. And it was supposed to be three to 18 until I turned 18. <laughs> she was like, what do I do now? Yeah. And I said to her, I said, oh, this is my, I guess this is my last showcase. And she went, what? Why? I said, well, because I've turned 18. She went, oh, don't be silly. So she raised it to 21. And then I turned 21 and I said, okay, I guess I'll see you. She went, don't be stupid. So now it just says three to adult. So you're there forever. <laughs> so I'm there forever. So I'm there nice. for as long as I want to be there, which is wonderful because like, I mean, I am not one for going to the gym. I'm just, I'm not very good at it. That's your workout. That's my workout. And it's a proper workout, but, yeah, I, have, but I feel like I have fun whilst doing it. Yeah. So I still dance. I don't do it professionally. Would you say it's still your therapy? You said in the early yeah. days it was your therapy. Definitely. Is it still that now? Yeah. It was funny, I had a back injury um, only about a month, uh, two months ago um, where I'd slipped a disc in my lower spine. It was really painful. Um, and so I couldn't dance for about three, four weeks. And I felt like I was going stir crazy from it. I didn't realise, because it'd been so long since I'd stopped dancing and had a break from it, that having a break for a month and a half, two months, I really missed it. I was still there. I still went to the classes and I still went to the rehearsals. I just stood there not dancing, which was really hard, really hard not to do. Mm. But I felt it mentally as well as physically. I felt myself physically not being as as stretchy or, or feeling as good in my body. But mentally, I really felt it. I really felt that loss of that that therapy and that that kind of release and detaching myself from anything else and just being able to let go I really missed it and it was only for about a month a month and a half but I really missed it do you think it goes back to something the dance and like when we were part of tribes maybe maybe do you think it's like instinctual do you yeah. think it's something like really deeply ingrained into us that's what it feels like for me I'm just gonna really say. yeah it really does when my favorite kind of dance is um there's lots of different types of dance but there's one called contemporary um, and Katie's very good at doing that kind of like, we call it earthy. And what that means is rather than being upright and straight and on your tiptoes, contemporary and pretty, 
it's heavy and it's a lot of um, stamping and throwing yourself around the stage and throwing your limbs around. And I love it because it, I think because it feels like that tribal release that probably dates back to ancestors going way, way back into like our primal selves. But to me, that's my favorite kind of dance because I can just let go and just feel the music and when I've got a group of people a group of dancers on stage with me um it's really emotional it's really emotional when you've got an amazing song and you're all collectively it's choreographed but you're throwing yourselves around the stage and just feeling it there's this amazing connection that you all have um to the music and to yourselves that just feels like unlike anything else that I've ever really experienced which is it's wonderful I think I've experienced what you're saying a little bit within a show, within yeah. acting, when you're in a in a state of kind of flow. Yeah. Is it flow? Yeah. Yeah, when you're in like a flow state. I think right. And you're, you're in that moment, you're in that thing with other people, and that's all that's going on in the world, and your mind is kind of clear of every everything else, yeah. isn't it? That's exactly it. It's like you just whether you've got an audience or not, it almost doesn't matter to you. Yes. You're just in it. But I think as an audience, you can tell when that happens because you, you, you feel it as something special. You be, the audience become part of that as well. Yeah. And I, I, I've, you know, I'm sure you have as well, where you've, I've been a part of that amazing experience where you're an audience member and you can tell that you're witnessing something special. And it's not to say that the actors on stage are more talented than others that you've seen or that there's anything particularly remarkable about the show. It's more that it's just a feeling of, it's almost like um, sometimes my favourite feeling as an audience member is when you feel like you shouldn't be there. It's that feeling almost like you're intruding, intruding on something. Yeah, on something private. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where you suddenly go, should we, should we, should we go? Should we, should yeah. we go? Um, I love that feeling as an audience member because to me it feels like I'm witnessing something secret. And something that I, I love film and and music, but I think that's what the beauty of theatre is: is that it is different every night. Well, I'd say with theatre, I'd say music when it when you're watching live yeah, music. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah meant pre-recorded, but yeah, yeah absolutely concerts there, and live there music. There is something there is something that that barrier being taken away and a group of yeah. people together, and everyone being in that same same moment in time, isn't it? There's something yeah. about that that's that's special. It really is. It's just the most amazing and feeling. You, and, and once you just once you discover creating it, you don't want to stop creating no, it, do you? No. I, I mean, I, I'm sure you do as well. I love it. when it's. It doesn't happen every time, and that's okay. Yes. But when it happens, when you are performing on stage and you feel that moment where the audience are a, kind of part of the play, they're kind of part of it, they're with mm. you, and they're experiencing what that character is feeling. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what your process is like as an actor, but for me, there's, it's like I take a bit of a backseat and the character takes over, but I'm still there. It's not like I forget myself and I come back and I'm like, oh, it's amnesia and I don't know what I was doing. I'm always there, but it's like I just let the character take over for a little bit. And there have been performances before where as, as, as a person... I'm looking at the character and going, why did you do that? Like, that wasn't planned, but you did that. But it was right for the character. But almost like me is 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 completely separate 
as a person, I love that feeling of when the character truly takes over and the audience is so in it and you're able to just kind of take a back seat and go, this is this is a really special moment where, like I said earlier, everyone's just gathered in a dark room and decided collectively to forget about the outside world for a little while and just feel whatever this person is feeling. Yeah. It's just a really cool moment, I it's think. It's amazing. So I also wanted to ask you about, so you, you touched on very, very briefly about uh, being a princess sometimes. Yeah. You're sometimes <laughs> yeah. a princess as well. Like, I am. Tell, tell me about that. How, how, does, how does that work with, with you being into theatre and dance and... Is is that just is that just something you do of a weekend? Yeah. Dress up as a princess. Yeah, it's yeah. just yeah. It's just, my favorite thing is used to you know I, I don't do it as much anymore because acting's kind of taking over. Mm-hmm. Um, but it felt like a, a natural progression that when I was eighteen, um, my cousin uh, Rihanna started to get into it. Um, she worked for a local company called the Play People, where they are you know they, they do character visits for children okay. or for events and parties where they actors will not to ruin the magic but they will dress up as certain characters mm-hmm. and come to events a bit like i'm not going to name the big company names but a big a bit like you know um the magical parks where you can go and meet characters oh, okay yeah i have no idea what you're talking about yeah absolutely yes. not yeah, yeah of course um a bit like that okay but obviously not that at all no no a bit like that, where kids can meet their favourite characters. Um, and I saw it just as a kind of natural progression of, well, I enjoy acting and I have a lot of free time being a young adult and it's a good way to earn money. Um, I will go and do that. And so I contacted um, the lady, Faye, who, who runs the play people and said, I really want to do this. I'm sick of my admin job. Please hire me. And thankfully she did. Um, and it's a, it's such a... Again, it's one of those things where it's 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 bizarre. You, uh, I got to when people said, "Oh, what's your profession?" I remember writing on forms. It was like profession. I was like, "Princess." Princess. <laughs> I was like, "That's really pretentious," and I cannot say that. I was like, "Um, character entertainer, actor." I was like, "This is a bit weird," but it again. So actually, that's what you are. You're you're an entertainer, yeah, aren't you? Not, yeah. You may be in a dress. You may be looking pretty, and you know you got you, you look the part of whatever part you're playing. But that's essentially what you are, really, though, aren't you? Yeah. You have to entertain. Yeah, and you have at to children's parties. Yeah, and you. So you're in character. It's a it's a marriage between staying in character mm-hmm. and what mar- characters can you? So um, I don't know if I can. Can I name certain characters? Is that a, I don't describe know. Describe them. Describe a them. princess that comes a princess up. that lives in a tower and has very long hair. Okay. A princess that loses a glass slipper. But you see, Disney don't own, own Rapunzel. Disney don't own Rapunzel. I know. I think it's I've, just I've that had, I've, there are I've, certain I've, images. I put. I wrote my own version of Rapunzel a few years ago. Yeah. A, a pantomime, and um, I actually got a letter from Disney. Did you? Um, and it ignored it because they don't own Rapunzel. No. They were, it was written by the Brothers Grimm. And it's public domain. Yeah. And anyone... We um, do, I think... It, sorry, we, it wasn't Disney that wrote to me. It was an, an advertising company where I put the poster up saying they couldn't put the poster up oh. because it belongs to Disney. And I was like, no. Well, you're not Disney, so. <laughs> Yeah. And well, it, yeah. They yeah. don't own that. They don't own Snow White. Yeah. They, very they've true. come up with their own... They have come up with their own characters. Yeah. But most of them are, public, are still... Public yeah. Public domain. I think it's that the image of them has become so closely recognised with Disney that it... And also because Disney is such a... 
a big company. They own ev- they own everything now. Yeah, they own they, so they, much. People just believe they do. Yeah, they have their this way. They have their names on a lot of things, and there's an air of them which is because I auditioned for Disney mm-hmm. a few years ago and got in, and then the pandemic hit. Right. Okay. So um, when you say you auditioned for Disney, uh, it's in the Disney parks. Disney, okay. Um, and and got through the auditions. Was all ready to go, and then COVID hit and kind of put a stop on everything. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm against Disney because I'm not. I no. grew up watching Disney and I, I love Disney. But I think, you know, there is that air of, oh, you can't mess with Disney. Um, so, yeah, so screwing that. So Cinderella, Rapunzel, Snow White, um, and then other characters like superheroes like Wonder Woman um, and Supergirl. And then just like really obscure characters just like, um, the Trolls movie that came out. We did like our own version of Trolls. Mm-hmm. Um, fairies. Love playing a fairy because you can just kind of create whatever character you want. Pirates. We so do pirates. Whilst, you're, whilst you're playing these characters, obviously you know the ins and outs of these characters because yeah. you've seen the films and read the books. The children know the ins and outs. So how do you rock up to a party and play that? It's. I find it really fun. I find it really fun because... I mean, obviously, like, it gets a bit tedious as you get older because now I'm 25 and I'm playing, like, a 15-year-old princess. So, you know, there is that, and I've been doing it for a few years now. But it is, the element of it, it is just play. It's organised play. Um, So I rock up, I drive. And you have to be, it's it's quite hard for an adult to be willing to play as well, isn't it? Yeah. It's quite hard as us because because for some reason we we stop doing it, don't we? As yeah. Humans. We we do it when we're young. It's criminal. We're kind of taught to do it if we think about the process of like at nursery and primary mm-hmm. school, but then as we go into secondary school and sixth form and what and university, it's kind of dragged out of us. Stop. Stop playing, and then and then you find yourself. <laughs> well, you I try yeah. to do it. It's quite hard. Yeah. Well, even it's funny you say that because even at fourteen. When I started to go into acting rather than just dance, when I spoke about earlier, um, in the first few rehearsals of that that musical that I'd auditioned for, they kind of had to teach me to play again, and that was only at fourteen. Um, they kind of had to teach me to. I think it's when we go through puberty and we start to care about what other people think. Yes. Is the way that I see it anyway. I mean, that's just my truth. I see it as when we get to those teenage years, those critical teenage years, where you get social conscience. Yeah. And suddenly everyone's judging everyone for anything. The reality is you can't do anything right as a teenager. No. You can try, but you, you're never going to succeed. There's always going to be another teenager that tells you you're not cool for doing it that way. Yeah. And or all the adults are getting you down as well. Yeah. Getting anywhere. You've got you've got two teenagers, so I can see that. But I love your kids so yeah. much. No, they're amazing. They are brilliant. And, and you've done such a good job at keeping them creative as well. Yeah, because I know how important it's been to my life. I I discovered acting through accidents and theatre through accidents and film through accidents. And yeah, everything creative in my life just, yeah, it it all started in one place and just, and all happened by accident and was a natural flow. Isn't that great? Oh, amazing. But for them, I wanted to actually give them a a little push in that direction and then to help try and form them as people but then if they decided to go off in different directions that was absolutely fine as well yeah like if they did that for a little bit and got something out of it and then went no do you know what i'm gonna be 
I'm going to be an aerospace engineer, which I think that's the path my son's going in now. Probably. But what he got from his years of doing theatre, and he did this drama class called Class Act Theatre School, where he'd come every Sunday and they'd put on a little showcase once a year. What he got from that was this wealth of, uh, he's got this wealth of confidence about him. He can, my son can talk to anyone. Yeah. He doesn't, you know, and he can talk to people about different, lots of different subjects and he, he can get up on a stage and he can do a song and dance. Um, and and it doesn't, he doesn't shy away from it. He, he will say that he does. He's yeah. nervous, but he'll still go and do it. Yeah. Um, and then my daughter, she's she's so into music now. Oh, and she's, she's amazing. She's, like, I mean, both of them are incredible. I mean, like, obviously, um, I know your daughter more than your son, mm-hmm. but I've worked with both of them, and they're both incredible. Yeah, and she she's she's got this. She's going to pursue music now, and she loves she she loves and lives music. Yeah, and it's so wonderful to see. It's so wonderful to to walk past her bedroom, and she's just sitting there on a guitar, finding some new chords finding a new piece of song, and she just, whenever she's doing that, she's happy and content. Well, that's her therapy then. Yeah, That's her escape yeah. from everything. And, it, and it's it, it's just really, it, it's beautiful to see, and it's mm-hmm. nice. And I, I know that that will live with her forever. That will live with her for her entire life. It will never leave her. And and as long as she's, there's always going to be an element of happiness in, in her life, in, in her life. If she continues to do that, I agree. Which is yeah, special. But I mean, as I mean, I said earlier briefly that um, my mum's a therapist, and she came to that quite late in life, um, and she's brilliant at it. She's brilliant. Um, she's also a writer, um, and that's her escape. But she's a therapist by profession, and she one of the things that she's really taken from the amount of clients that she's had over the years is that it's so sad that the amount of people that come to her because they don't have an escape they don't have something that's just for them you know they they go to work and they come home and they have a family and they cook and clean for their family and then they take care of their family and then they go to bed and they get up and do the same thing again they don't ever have anything that's just for them and so many of them had that had something when they were kids or when they were teenagers that they've just lost over the years they let, they let someone else get in the someone or something get in the way. Yeah. And they decided to be a grown up. Yeah. And stop playing. <laughs> we we should never stop playing. No. And I think that the, the difference is you know, the the important thing about that is is that we all have to be grown ups. There are things in our life that yeah. we have to be grown well, up about. If we about. want things in life, if we want a house, if we want a yeah. car, if we want to pay the bills, we've gotta do things yeah. for that. We can't we can't just play. No. But I think we need to find elements in play of play within the life to then be able to go yeah. on and do them things greater yeah, exactly. or better or be or be happy while we're doing some miserable things. Yeah. While we're being an accountant or something and sitting behind a desk and doing something really boring. That it's like, it's okay because on Sunday I'm going to play with some other adults. Yeah, you know, <laughs> absolutely. On a stage or something or listen to some music. or And just be a bit silly. Yeah. As humans, we're so silly. We're so silly, like, and I think a lot of these silly things, and you know, they're put into the categories of socially acceptable and not socially acceptable. So, but as humans, we're 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 so silly. There are so many things that we do in day to day life that are beautifully weird. Mm. Things like 
we we have a fascination of looking at the stars, like an absolute fascination. If anyone is out in the evening and it's a clear night, you'll see everyone just do this because we're fascinated by it. Um, people get so fascinated that they they structure their lives around it with like horoscopes and things like that. Other people um, take up crocheting and they really enjoy weaving bits of fabric yeah. into another bit of fabric to create something. Like um, some... You know, I've got a friend who's really into trainers, really into trainers. And so he's got a collect, a huge collection of trainers. But yeah. that's something that he's into. Yeah, like, but as, so as humans, there are things that I just think that you know, makeup, like women and, and men, when we wear makeup because we enjoy playing with that. So there are elements of play that are socially acceptable. And then there's the things that you and I do, which is pretending to be a tree on stage <laughs> or, or in the case of your son dressing up as a giant rat or a yes. giant mouse yes. in a production that we did recently, like, um, or your daughter playing a, 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 a goose. Mm. There's that kind of weird things that people aren't, if they're not into this industry, aren't as aware of and look at and go, oh, I had an instance recently with the play that I'm doing. My dad's is the chaperone for, we've got two young children in the play okay. who are brilliant. Um, I love working with kids in, in a creative setting. It's it's a nightmare, but it's worth it when it works. But my dad is the chaperone um, because he's a licensed chaperone. And uh, he's not um, in this industry at all. He loves going to the theatre, but he's never been a part of it, if that makes sense. Um, so he, for the first time ever, sat in on a rehearsal a couple of weeks ago. Naturally, the first thing we did was a warm-up exercise where we did some vocal warm-ups and some physical warm-ups. And then we played a game with all of the adults and the kids. And the adults, naturally being actors, got into the games as much as the kids did. And we were making silly noises and silly shapes with our bodies and looking very, very strange. And at the end of it, I walked over to my dad's uh, just to go and uh, get a drink. And he said, he looked at me and he went, you're all mad. I said, yeah, but isn't great? <laughs> isn't it great? He was yeah. like, you're all absolutely mad. And he turned around to them all and said, are you all allowed to vote? like are you all allowed to like vote and drive and be members of society i was like yeah we're everywhere um but i i just think like you said earlier whether you decide to go into the performing arts or not having it as a bit of a foundation when you're growing up is really important because people i I know so many actors that are now working very normal jobs um who are better at their jobs because they aren't afraid of public speaking, they aren't afraid of networking, they aren't afraid of making mistakes, they aren't afraid of, of, of you know, they know themselves and have a, more, more of an understanding of people as well. Because as actors, we have to have an understanding of how people work. And so that can only be and helpful. We meet so many different types of people, don't yeah. we? Yeah. Like being in the creative industry, like you meet so many different types of people. They, they come from all walks of life, don't yeah. they? All, yeah, all different classes as yeah, well. Like if yeah. you want to go into like class, different backgrounds and ethnicities and and cultures. It breaks. It, it's, a, it's a like theatre in particular breaks all the barriers. Of, it really does. Yeah, it's universal because everywhere does it. Even in like you said earlier, even tribes and ancient cultures had theatre mm-hmm. of some kinds. Even if it was just dancing around a campfire or storytelling using shadow puppetry or cave paintings it was all storytelling and it's all theater just in different ways 
So you don't you don't come from a creative family as such then? I didn't think I did. Go on. Uh, because my parents weren't into it. Yeah. Um, and uh, my nan, um, bless her, she passed away when I was 12. And we only really found out after she passed away that she was a dancer and she was an actress. And so I feel really connected to her whenever I do anything. I really feel like... So was that a hidden... Part. Yeah, it was a part, again, it was a part of her that she was into when she was in her youth, and then she got married quite young um, to a much older guy, um, and she kind of put all that on the back burner and just forgot about it and just left it in as a secret part of her life. Mm. And we found she was in um, quite a few productions. Um, we found lots of, like, pictures of her as a dancer, and then I found out that um, some of the money that she'd left to me in her will specifically was to pay for any drama classes that I wanted or any dance classes I wanted. Oh, amazing. Which was wonderful because we couldn't have afforded it otherwise. Mm -hmm. You know, it's quite expensive. It's quite an expensive profession to try and get into. Um, so even back, so she knew the importance that yeah. it would have on you. And I love that she specifically said that the money she was leaving me, I, she was like, you can use it to buy a car if you want to or put towards, you know, anything like that that you want. But I want, if you're doing any drama classes or you're doing any dance classes, because she could see that I was into dance, mm -hmm. she said, anything like that, I want to pay for. I want, I, I want that money to go towards that. That's amazing that you had, you had that support there to follow. And I didn't even know. No. I didn't even know um, until I was older that that's what had happened. But how wonderful that, and, and I, I feel sad for her that she couldn't keep that in her life because she clearly loved it. But I now feel like I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm doing myself a service by by doing it, but there's a part of me that feels like I'm doing it for her as well. Yeah, I'm yeah. keeping I'm keeping that that um, spirit of do what you love still, because I feel like if I really loved mathematics, she would have been equally as supportive. But it feels quite lovely that she was also into that. So, would you say she was a like an influence for you to do what you're doing, or would you say there's been an influence elsewhere? Um, I think. See, I don't know where it came from. When I said that I was I was five and I turned around to my parents and said I want to dance, mm. I don't know where that came from because I don't, and my parents don't remember anyone in my life that was really influencing that. Now that I'm older, like my, my cousin, so my dad's a twin, okay. and um, his twin's daughter, we're very, very close. She's like my sister. She's younger than me. She's a phenomenal performer, far better than she gives herself credit for. And she's she, also a dancer. And she's an also actor. a dancer yeah. and an actress, and she's a singer. She can sing better than I can. Okay, um, that's her triple. She's a proper triple threat, and she's wonderful, and she inspires me so much. Yeah. Um, and so, growing up, we influenced each other. We were the kids that would force our family to sit and watch us put on a play, whilst we hid behind a curtain and practiced for hours and hours on end for them to watch us perform a couple of dance numbers whilst hissing at each other that we were in the wrong places and it was very much that and that was a tradition in our family that for Christmas and birthdays and things like that Rihanna and I would put on a show um and I loved that because it meant that I I may not have grown up with an adult in my life that had that influence of introducing me to the arts but we influenced each other every time I saw a show I'd introduce her to it and every time she learned something new at dance she'd introduced me to it and it was we kind of fed each other that information and kept that spark going how does that feel to have someone that you've wonderful. got wonderful 
wonderful because she's she we still act today she's in the play that i'm producing because what i mean i mean she's been in all of your plays yeah yeah and you know there's the argument to be made that well it's because she's like the little sister of the producer but also she's really bloody good Mm. and i wouldn't have put her in it if she wasn't um i would have just gently said oh yeah you can play a role on the side but she's yeah how does she how does she you said she inspires you how does she inspire you she surprises me. She surprises you. Really, every, every turn she surprises me, and I I need to stop being surprised by her. Um, but every time I think that she's cracked a role, and has brought something new about that character to life, or done something new on stage, or or something move, you know, done something that's moving. The next time I see it, she's topped it. She's gone a step further. And so what I mean by she inspires me is that by watching her act, it makes me, first of all, want to see more of her do that. And second of all, it wants me to give as, much, as good of a performance that as back. that. Yeah. I'm like, you've done something really cool. Teach me. <laughs> because, um, you know, she hasn't been prof- like professionally trained. She didn't go to drama school. She's just kind of tapped into that. She uses her, her eyes and her ears and her connections with people to bring characters to life and she uses her own emotions she's not afraid to bring her own traumas and emotions and feelings and memories into her character she's not afraid whereas I sometimes am afraid to let that bleed in she's not afraid she fully allows herself to um, bleed into her character so that there's Rihanna and the character and she allows her emotions and the character's emotions to blend so beautifully together. She's just fearless. She's really fearless. Um, and I admire her so much for that. Because I think sometimes if I have a difficult role, there's parts of me that try and hold back. Because it's scary. It's scary to give your all. Yeah, it's, it's, it's showing a lot of vulnerability, yeah. isn't it? It really is. And I think seeing her vulnerability on stage is what really inspires me more than anything. Because... It's like she just, I see she, she's a worrier like me. And so she'll, I can see her trying to plan for every outcome until the moment when she steps on stage. And I can see her almost just go, screw it. And she just cuts her heart out on stage and, and leaves it for the audience to see. She just gives everything. And then at the end of it, very timidly goes, oh, I, I stumbled. Um, maybe I shouldn't do that next time. I'm like, are you joking? Like that that's what you're focusing on. Um, because she just gives everything. She just allows herself to pour all of her emotion into it, which is such a beautiful, rare thing. Um that you don't always get. But so yeah, so every time she does it, for some reason I'm always surprised every time she does it. And I shouldn't be, because I should learn not to be so surprised by her anymore. But that's what inspires me is her vulnerability more than anything else, because I think yeah, it's something that everyone can really connect to as humans. Mm-hmm. Um, is that vulnerability, and it's it's not taboo, but it's something that um, a lot of people would shy away from. It's, it's scary. scary, isn't it? I think especially for because there's the, yeah, the, you, as soon as you're vulnerable, you you're inviting the judgment. Yeah, aren't you? Yeah, and no one really wants to be judged. No, I think that's the um, the other thing is that people think about actors is that we're we're almost like we don't care sometimes about being judged because but we do we we really do i think sometimes more than most Mm -hmm. 
I think. Um, but it's the moving forward anyway. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it? That's the beautiful part it's of it. It's doing it anyway. I wanted to ask, actually, just whilst we're here. Yeah. Um, just on that note, because vulnerability is a really hard thing for anyone to do, but I think it's starting to be talked about more how... I mean, it's it's a horrible thing for anyone to be vulnerable, yet it's more socially acceptable for women to be vulnerable than men, I think, from what I've seen. And some of the men in my life who are actors have said to me, and this might not be your truth at all, but I just wanted to kind of put it out on the table as something interesting to talk about, is that they've said that they enjoy acting because suddenly as a man they're allowed to be vulnerable and it's almost praised. So on screen they're, they can cry and they can act and they can um, show a lot of vulnerability and then afterwards be their normal selves and people praise them for it because it's almost like, oh, well, that was just my character. Even if it was them as a person being yes. vulnerable, they're able to then have that separation of, well, actually, I was just... A and that felt easier for... It feels easier for them to do mm-hmm. is what some men in my life have told me. I obviously won't name names, but yeah. I found that interesting. Yeah, that is an interest. That's, n- that's not necessarily been for me. I've been, I've, I've, I felt very blessed with the people surrounding me that I, I've never worried too much about being, being my true self around That's my wonderful. family, around my friends. Um, I, I know, I know, I've been blessed with family and friends over the years. Um, of just yeah, just mainly good people. Uh, just decent people. Just decent people that. <laughs> That, yeah, I've been able to be myself and do the things that, that I do. Um, yeah, there's been some criticism and, yeah, there's been some judgment, but I could still continue to be me. Um, so that, that was ne- that's never been too much. Vulnerability hasn't scared me too much over the years. And from what I've learned from being on stage... And, well, there you go. And the jobs that I've done. And, you know, I've, I've done it so much now over, over the last 20 years... That it's almost like, well, what's the word? Even at even at moments where I'm like, oh my god, I've got anxiety, I feel really bad. I just go, what's the worst that could happen? What's the worst that I've experienced so far? I'm still here, and I'm still going forward, and I still want to do this, and I still get more out of being vulnerable than holding back. See, that's that's wonderful. So, do you think that? I mean, obviously, I mean, obviously, you think this because you you've basically just said it. Had you not? had the arts and the performing industry in your life as much as you had like the creative side of, of life mm. do you think you would feel differently about oh definitely showing vulnerability and showing your emotions and yes yeah because that that anxiety and um those those thoughts that come into your head i think you have to work on training yeah. those thoughts you have to and it takes time and um yes there's a lot of outside influences that play to those those thoughts but yeah I think I've I've managed to train it over 20 years of doing this to a place of oh I've been thinking about doing a podcast oh I'm going to get judgment for that podcast people are going to listen to one sentence in there and pull it apart and they're going to say oh Martin's not a good person oh Martin <laughs> Martin can't pronounce this word right or do yeah. that but but does does that really matter yeah <laughs> like does it all, all of that kind of commentary outside all of that kind of spectator commentary. I would, I would rather them do that and me do, and me continue to live my life, and me do the things I get fulfilment out of, than 
hold back because being vulnerable and waiting for some of these comments and because they're going to happen. Yeah, regardless. Yeah, they're, they're, like I say with this podcast, there are going to be a couple of people that pull the podcast apart and they pull apart the way that we're sitting, like yeah. the way that what my hair's done today, or like they're going to have comments. It's going to happen. Um, but already on doing two episodes of this podcast, a journey is opening up in front of me. I think it's awesome. Like there is a new path is being created in front of me. There are connections opening up. People want to talk to me. People want to get involved with other creative things that I'm doing. And I'm like, why didn't I do this sooner? Yeah. Do you know what? There, There is an element of actually, I, do you know what? Actually, I, about it was pre-COVID, so this is like four or five years ago now. I did start to set this up, and I did like a very micro introduction oh, really? to doing it. And a friend of a friend made a comment on social media, and actually at that time, that was enough to make me put it on pause. Yeah. But I look back at that, and I'm like. What the fuck does that person know? <laughs> just one person. That one person. What do they know? Yeah. Um. And like I say, the paths that are opening up now, the different direction my life is going in for the rest of the next couple of weeks, the rest of this year, <laughs> that that being held back for those negative comments isn't worth it. It's mad, isn't it? Mm. But I, I, I totally get that because I, I feel like I would have done the same thing. I feel like there are instances where I've braced myself to post something on social media about a job that I'm doing. Because I feel like someone's going to, and like, not even if someone comments on it, it's it's the perception that I have in my brain of someone's going to say something to another person in secret, yeah. in hiding behind my back. Yeah, and it it's bonkers why we care so much. And we kind of make up a story of the negative path we could go down. Yeah, before it's even happened. Before it's, before it's even happened, then we go, oh, no, we won't do that. We won't. It's too much. I won't, just I won't do it. Yeah. Catastrophizing yeah. kills creativity. It does. It definitely does. But as soon I'm, as you start the creativity, it opens doors. It opens doors. It, yeah, and and I'm amazed in this past week how much progress with the other creative things that I'm doing has happened for a few conversations. It's amazing. It, it goes back to your your first play. Yeah. It started with a conversation with Sparrow, and now you're on your third production. Yeah. Your third professional production that you. You're making an income from, and you're building a community. Yeah, it. Yeah, it's just. And, again, and you had that negative talk. Yeah, we well, yeah, we definitely we definitely did. Um, and you know, I've I've had people that um, I've spoken to about the, the you know a couple of the last three plays that we've done. Um, who I used to care what they think, and they have made negative comments to my face about the last, you know, one or two of the last three shows that we've done. I said, oh, why did you do that? Or why did you do this? Why did you do that? And I found myself going to to justify myself and about to, to say to them, oh, you know, because, um, well, you know, like, you know, it's, it's naivety and it's, it's, you know, I was just trying it and like, it might work, it might not. And and now I'm just very much like why why do I care so much because it worked what I did worked yeah and it's and those people with the negative comments or the comments that will hold you back I've found they're always just the spectators yeah they're never the ones that like, are doing that it are doing it they're never the, they're never the ones yeah. putting on a plate yeah they're never the ones going to auditions they're never the ones that are 
sitting there learning to play the guitar. They're the ones that are just sitting there. Someone, someone actually said to me recently, it's like they're the ones, they're the spectators in a stand, sipping a cup of tea, drinking, dunking their biscuit in, and they're just watching you, and they've got, that is their life. Yeah. Whereas you're the one that's in the arena, having the fun, enjoying it, and where would you rather be? Yeah. Would you rather be the spectator, or would you rather be the contributor and play? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the, no, the yeah, answer's just so simple, isn't it? The answer's isn't just it? so simple. Isn't it? It's... it's just strange how much it holds. But back. how much it takes a lot of courage to go through yeah. that. It takes a lot of time to to realise. Yeah, really does. But again, I think that just goes back to if we have more of the arts growing up, it's not to say that we're teaching kids to be an actor, because it, like I said earlier, it's 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 tough, and you shouldn't go into it unless you really want to do it. But having that can own, having that influence growing up can only be a good thing, because it's just teaching kids that they can be creative and they can take risks, and they can fail, and that it's okay to fail because it means that the next time you do it, you might do it a little bit better, or you might it might send you on a different path. I and that's think... very much what um, so in the first episode of doing the podcast when I did that with Jim. Yeah, we was talking. I was we was talking about that quite a bit. That doing this podcast, we're going to make mistakes. Yeah, I'm. You know, I, I'm trying. One of the things that I wanted to get from this was try and interview other creative people to try and understand why it is they're doing what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, try and spread some knowledge and information and maybe inspire. Yeah, in some way that other people, you know go forward and do the creative stuff that we do because we know we get so much from it but then I know we're going to make mistakes like yeah. I know that you know going to mumble that yeah. mispronounce um you know on the on the first episode as well I had three cameras running and two of them cameras don't actually work and, <laughs> and like yeah things things went wrong but but we're learning yeah but yeah learning and doing and progress but that's part of it. You learn as you go. And that's the best way to learn, I think. That's, mm-hmm. that, I mean, that's the everyone learns differently. That's how I learned best growing up in school, is by doing it doing and by it. failing and by doing it again. Doing and failing. I just, I don't know. I, I, do you know what? I've come to love failing. Yeah. Have, I think to, you have to in this industry. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really felt bad about it for a long time. Yeah. I really felt like, um, when I was younger... So you're quite a bit younger than me, you're early Yeah, I'm 20s. 25. So I don't want to be too preachy about like time and how. To be fair, move. you're pretty good about but not being too. I think I think for me, I had goals of 30. This is what's yeah. going to happen by 30. If this doesn't, this is the right. Like, yeah. and I was like, right, okay, everything's got to be set out. I'm going to be an adult by the time I'm 30. <laughs> you know, I've got to have these things figured out. And next year I'm 40. Yeah. And I haven't got those things figured, yeah. figured out yet. But there are some things I've learned along the way. And I think that more than figuring out the path, the exact path, the lessons were more important. Yeah. The experiences were more important. And the experience of failing has been incredibly important. It really is, isn't it? Yeah. Learning, I think one thing you have to learn if you're part of this creative industry is that failure is inevitable. It's hard, but it's inevitable. And it's what you do. It's with hard. That. It hurts. It's yeah. You know, you see people come. Aw- I remember the early days of my twenties. I went to a lot of auditions. Yeah. I think there was a, there was one year where I where I was going two auditions a week. Like I was full on like this is what I'm going to do in my life. I'm going to get this. Yeah. 
and in that year, I didn't get a job, <laughs> right? And I remember coming away from some auditions, you see people, other people walking out of audition rooms, crying and upset. And I managed to never let it affect me in that way because I knew I wouldn't continue. Yeah. If I took that pain yeah. and went, this is destroying me. I couldn't let it destroy me. I had to let it build me, you know, to keep going forward. And the, the experiences I've had in life past that have been, been greater than any of those jobs that I would have got. Yeah, I do wonder sometimes whether or not, because um, I don't quite know what I believe in, in terms of the universe and, and God, and I'm kind of quite open. You're still... Yeah, I believe in something. Mm-hmm. That I don't believe that there's nothing. I believe in something. But uh, along with that, I am curious about this idea of things. Um, what is it that my mum my used to say something really good, which was, that which is meant for you will not pass you by. And it's that it's that feeling of what's meant to be will be. But I do sometimes wonder about that point in your life where you were going to two auditions a week, roughly, and you were just grinding and grinding and grinding and working yourself, and you didn't get the jobs. Is it because you weren't in the right mindset to do it at the time, and those weren't the right jobs for you? You were just ploughing through it? Mm-hmm. Whereas now, you're more likely to go for the jobs which feel right for you, and n- not go to the auditions that don't feel right for you, and therefore you're more likely to get the jobs because yeah. they are better suited to you. You know, when it's just it's it's one of those funny things where you just kind of go, I wonder whether or not there's a, a correlation. Well, there. there was a meaning. There was definitely a meaning to it on reflection. Yeah. At the time, it doesn't feel like that. No. At the time, it feels like hard work and it feels painful and it feels upsetting at times, and you feel like you're losing and you're yeah. and you're failing. But then when you look back and you go, no, I. The, the lessons learned through that process needed that and n- needed to do that yeah you know going back as well with them this thing about I think just like the pressure because I'm feeling that as at 25 that like the housing like the housing market's like screwed at the moment yeah, if, there if is, you live, yeah. You, you, uh, probably all over the world but particularly in this country yeah you, you're fucked yeah <laughs> aren't you, you yeah you, your chances of getting somewhere to live you you either need rich parents or you need to have a high-paying salary yourself and a partner with a high-paying salary, mm-hmm. the above-average high-paying. Yeah. And, yeah, I know that it's a near-on impossible feat to have have a home. It's bonkers. You know. And yet surrounding me growing up in sitcoms and even, like, kids' TV shows, there was the standing joke of if there was a character that was, like, a bum, they were 25 and living with their parents. I'm 25 and living with my parents. And so there's that fear of. Well, it is. It's the. It is normal. Now. Yeah, I know. I. I. I logically, I know mm. it's the norm now. But it's funny growing up with that, and then being that, you're suddenly like, I'm not adulting correctly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, but, but even if you were adulting correctly, correctly, the system is so against you yeah. now. That yeah. That how, how do how? you how are you how are you supposed to do it? How are you supposed to find an answer to it? But it's just funny being an actor because hard with that it's almost like that there's constantly a part of my brain going you should have chosen a more stable career but even if I had I've got two friends who are both police officers who are are engaged and they can't afford a house together and they are on very high paid salaries so that there is that logic behind it but then again like you know another piece of really good advice that I'm trying to live by is that everyone is faking it Someone said, because I think I turned around, I think it was my old boss, I turned around to her and said, you're so organised and you just have your shit together. How do you have your shit together? Like, teach me. Almost like I was was at that point where I was like, teach me. Mm. She just looked at me, she went, Lou, I'll give you a piece of advice. 
everyone is faking it. She said people have go to school and have more knowledge, like to become a doctor, but everyone's just winging it yeah. throughout life. Everyone is just muddling through. No one has a book with all the answers. No. Everyone is just figuring I think out. Potentially, there's two different types of winging it. There's the winging it, you're trying your best at winging yeah. it, and the ones that that aren't trying. I think you have to choose. Yeah. I think there is potential. I might be wrong, but there's potentially yeah. a choice between trying to choose to do your best at winging it and just and, going along and not. But, but that's the hard thing right now, is that even if you're trying your best, it's still you, the norm. The the things that have been for a long time the normal things to have in life, like a home, a vehicle, you know, but be able to put good food on the table. It's so difficult right now for yeah. so many that it's like, well, actually, you might as well do the thing that you <laughs> want to do in life anyway, yeah. because you might as well pursue the the, the bigger thing because. You're screwed anyway. <laughs> you were, yeah, you were, you'd be screwed to be going working for, you know, if you went and worked at Tesco's, for instance, yeah. and worked and and ten pound an hour, that's which not, is fine by the way. But yeah, which is fine and good for some people, but the majority, I don't think that's good for. Yeah, it's not where they want to be. No, and um, it's definitely not for for me. Yeah, in in my life, it's definitely I don't I don't see that necessarily working for you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you've been able to show that yourself that you can, you're in, I think you're in the beginning stages of career of producing yeah. shows. I hope so. I feel one, like one it. year, one year all make a profit. Yeah. Yeah. And each show is continuing to become bigger and bigger and bigger. So you're an upward, you're on an upward trend. Like you seem to be looking at you on the right path. I hope so. It feel. I think I'm just going by feeling at the moment. It feels good. What I'm doing at the moment feels good. Yeah. Um, and it's hard because there's not a huge amount of payoff. Emotionally, there's a lot of payoff. Money-wise, there's not. No. So there's part of me that's doing the whole... But does any career start yeah. with a good payoff? It's, it's so true, isn't it? I think it's just that it's so... So I'm, I'm making myself comfy. It's so... This industry is quite taboo um, amongst people that aren't in it. Perhaps also amongst people that are in it, it's quite taboo in the sense that it's very much labelled as... It's the joke in a, in a lot of films that if a character says, oh, I'm going to be an actor, the parents go, oh, God, that's so unpredictable. And then, you know, they're never going to make it and they're never going to be successful and they're going to be washed up. Um, and I get it because, it, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a career that doesn't have a set path. It's... You've got to be willing to be adaptable and just kind of go with the flow and see what happens when it happens. There's no way that you can really plan it <laughs> as much, but it feels right. At the moment, what I'm doing feels right. Um, and it's hard work, but it's good work. I get home at the end of the day and I feel knackered in the best way. Yeah. Um, and, and is that a bad place to be? No, not at all. No. And I. Will you, do you have any, uh, year on year, day by day, do you have any regrets about what you're doing? Um, no, I don't. There, There's definitely days where I'm like, I have nothing in my bank account and I need to try and figure out what I'm going to do for the next couple of weeks until I get paid from that job I did a month ago. So that's difficult. That's, that's difficult. That's difficult. So, um, there's parts of me that, um, wish that I had more money in bank account, but ultimately I don't regret what I'm doing for a second. Mm. Because I can't imagine myself doing anything else. I can't imagine myself being happy at this stage of my life and doing anything other than what I'm doing. 
because it's amazing. And I'm so grateful that things have just lined up as they have. Because, the, you know, like you said earlier, we get to work with the most incredible people in the most beautiful... Like, this is where I'm currently spending my week, is yeah. in here. In a theatre, yeah. Like, what other job do you get to do that? It's a beautiful venue. I get to work with great people creating a story. And at the end of it, having audiences come to see that. Also, the, the show that I'm doing is in aid of Mind in West oh, okay. Sussex. Um, so the majority of the profits are going towards Mind because that feels right. It feels important for this play. This play's a lot about um, mental health and how it was tackled in the 70s. So you're, so you're able to not only put on the show, which is a feat in itself, you're able to give back to a, to a charity. Yeah, and it's a one that that in itself, that everything else that I've talked about is worthwhile. But even if it was just that, just the fact that we've already able been able to raise money and raise awareness for a mental health charity, even that is worth it. Just that, even if I didn't earn a penny from this. What made you? So you didn't do that on your other productions, did you? No. What made you decide to do that on this one? So it was a lot of influence from my mum, who who wrote the play. Um, the plays. Uh, a couple of things have been changed, but the majority of it is a true story about her upbringing and her life um, with her brother. And so there are tiny parts of the story that have changed ever so slightly, but all of the hard parts of the story are true. And it centres around um, a young lad growing up in the 1970s, really struggling with his mental health, not receiving any help for it whatsoever, and it turning quite a dark path because he doesn't see any way out of it and it's about the people that it's not just him that it affects it's showing that it's a much wider community that mental health affects it doesn't ever just affect one person it affects their parents their siblings their friends people that they've only just met in passing in in primary school or in in work in the workplace it affects all of these people in some way and so it's important I I just I feel like having suffered with mental health my mental health as well I just feel like it's such it's so important to to have help available to those that need it and quite often the people that need it don't have the money to receive help quality help and um I was lucky when when I was in my teenage years I was able to receive help from um the NHS for you know for depression and anxiety and it was, you know, funding was already thin on the ground then. And that was over 10 years ago. Now it's even worse. And the, the funding has been cut severely since then. And the wait, I mean, the waiting lists at last count um, for a friend of mine was like two years. And she was a very severe case that needed immediate medical attention. And she couldn't, she was put on the back burner for a waiting list for a therapist and for therapy for about a year and a half, two years. And it's not good enough. It's not good enough. It's it needs the only the help is there, but the only way that it can be accessed is through funding and through money. And it's awful that that's the case, but that's the world that we live in. And Mind in West Essex is ju is just a one of many local branches that will provide not only the help for the person that needs the therapy, but also the wider surrounding community around them, like their family. And so the money from this play is, we've asked for it to directly go to help support not just the people that need therapy, but supporting their families around them as well, because often that gets overlooked. And this play really highlights that, 
how it affects the surrounding community. And so it just, it, again, it was one of those things that just came quite organically and quite naturally. And it just felt right. It just felt right to do. And the moment that we contacted them, they've been brilliant. They said, yeah, we'd, we normally, <laughs> normally the fundraising events we get are like bake sales or, you know, like car washes. This is so different. Um, we'd love to. So they've been really on board about it. And so in our program, we've got a page where if people are affected by the play or, uh, you know, know someone who is, they can immediately access help um, from Mind um, and we'll know exactly where the profits are going to as well, which is brilliant. But it just feels like we've got, a st- so we've got a story, a very, it's like an old proverb, I think I first heard in primary school, but it's kind of stuck with me ever since. It's called the starfish story. And it's this idea of, um, there's a child walking along a beach and the beach is covered with thousands upon thousands of starfish that have all been washed up by the tide. And when the tide's gone out, they're all left on the shore. And it's a hot day and the starfish are dying. And the child goes across the beach, looks at these thousands of starfish, and then just one by one picks up one, puts it in the ocean, picks up another one, puts it in the ocean, picks up another one, puts it in the ocean. And after a while, a crowd starts to form around this child. Um, And eventually one brave soul kind of steps forward and says to the child, what are you doing? Like, I know you're a kid, but surely you can see that... there's thousands here. You are never going to be able to get all these starfish back in the ocean. How can you possibly make a difference? And the child just looks up, picks up a starfish, throws it in the ocean and says it made a difference to that one. And I, it's, a, it's such an old cheesy proverb, but I think it's so relevant to the mental health industry that we've got at the moment, which is that if the money from this play, we're not going to, we're not going to change lives. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to impact. We're not going to overthrow and, and, and change but if the money from this play can go towards helping one person who needs it, like I said earlier, even if an audience member, if an audience member's moved by it, then it's worth it. If the money from this goes towards one person who needs to access help and wouldn't have been able to and now can, then it's worth it. And that's one of the reasons why we're doing it is I love putting on plays and it's fulfilling my creative need, but it's also doing more than that. And it's trying to do something. That's be- that really is beautiful. That that's amazing, and that I I like I love that about theatre, and I love that about creativity, that opportunity, what you can do there. Yeah, it's just it just feels like you can tell a story, you can relay a message, and give back to someone that needs it. Yeah, in any way, you know, even like like we said earlier, we're not trying to pretend that we are doing open heart surgery (laughs) you know we're not trying to pretend that we're doing that I'm not going to for a second pretend that my job is on par with someone who can perform brain surgery however it has its own magic one star back into the ocean yeah it's done something yeah it might not have changed the world but it's done something and I think that that is that's I think why I do it to answer your the question of why of this podcast, mm-hmm. I think that's why I do it. Is first of all for self purely selfish reasons that I love it and that it helps me and that it's my therapy. But also that sometimes you you don't always, but sometimes you can see the personal benefit it has for one person. Mm-hmm. It's like you're making little ripples in the wave of yeah. wave of life. Yeah. And it's, it, it, yeah, it is just, it's magic. It is magic. It has its own sense of magic. 
because again like and it only works if if you have because you have the actors on stage who are working really hard but also it you're relying on an audience who are willing to sit in a dark room and suspel, suspend belief and buy into that magic and if they do you create something really cool if you do you create something really special and potentially life-changing but you have to it's about getting that really lovely sweet spot it doesn't always happen but it's worth it for when you get that really lovely sweet spot where all of the actors are invested and the audience are invested and the wind is changing in the right direction and the sun is at an angle to the earth and you get this amazing moment where like you said earlier you just lose yourself in that performance and you create something in that moment that is the fundamentals of of humanity and and feeling and emotion and vulnerability and something cool can then come from that whether you've inspired a person in the audience to get into theatre or to maybe maybe the character has inspired them to go and do that job interview that they were worried about doing or even just get through another day it you've still done something to impact other people and I think it's that impact is that is the reason why I do it I think that's a perfect place to yeah it feels like it doesn't it that, that's amazing that we've got to there. I'm so grateful for this chat, for this conversation. I, 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 I've got, I've got, do you know what? I've honestly sat here and towards the end, I, I've got something from this. Good. I really so do. And I really appreciate that. No, and, I, I'm, um, thank you. But I'm, I'm, like I said to you, when you said to me, oh, would you fancy coming on it? I was like, yeah. I was like, oh my God, he's asking, yeah, we'll, he's we'll asking this, me. We'll do this again. This, we'll come, we'll come back. We'll revisit. Yeah. We'll watch this back. We'll review it. And, um. Yeah, we'll come back to this in a few episodes time and uh what because there's something else coming up for you very soon isn't there that i wanted to talk to you about that yeah. so maybe the next time yeah we'll talk about what is it that we're going to talk about next time winnie the pooh winnie the pooh <laughs> winnie the pooh winnie the pooh okay production of winnie the pooh. yeah i would love that yes please so that's what's coming next yeah Grim Luna. thank next you so Luna. much like i've said to you before though i i love working with you hand yeah. on heart no, i, I love genuinely work, yeah. love working with you in the projects and the ways that we've worked together I've only been brief, but I love working with you. And I'm sure we're going to work together. And on so, many yeah, things. so am I. Yeah. But so this is just another cool way that we get to work together. It is cool. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you so Lou. much. I appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you too. I'm going to give you a hug. Actually. I think there's some magic in there. I think there is too. So that was Luna Austin. Thank you, Luna. I very much appreciated you joining me today some amazing insights into her creative life there very much look forward to having another conversation with her very soon but in the meantime if you'd like to find out more about luna uh, have a look up on instagram uh, sparrow luna productions for all the amazing things that she's doing and yeah i hope for you to join us again soon thank you